course, I'm honored to be back and to share with uh, some of the Exchange Life friends with a great fellowship. And it's been a long time, and I'm glad to have this time with you. Um, especially to be on this day of birthday of my dear friend, Seth Solomon. And he and I have had many good times together. In 1974, I had a friend who I was uh, pastor. Anyway, my pastor, uh, where I was preaching in Kansas, said, you know, what you're teaching your conference, This is Living, sounds very similar to a book that I just read. And I said, oh, what is that? And he said, it's Handbook to Happiness. He said it's a, a fairly new book by a man named Dr. Charles Sowell. So he gave me a copy of the book. And that's how I found out about Chuck. And then uh, a few years later, in 1981, I was with a ministry called Fullness Magazine. And while I was there, I discovered that Chuck had a column in the magazine every week called Counselor's, the column was called Counselor's Corner. And then he would come periodically to our area, to our flagship church, and he would speak. So we became immediately fast friends since we shared the same message, and we had a kindred spirit because we also were engaged in counseling as well. And so that's, that was our early beginnings, and since then we've worked together on many occasions, and the Lord has uh, told me just to be a Barnabas to him. You know, we all could benefit by having just a friend, a brother, a sister in Christ, who's there in a supportive way, who prays for us, who encourages us, and who affirms us. And so part of your role as a counselor, even with your counselees, many of my counselees become my friends. Uh, I, I disciple them for life. I tell them I'm your pastor for life. Because once we get connected through ministry and counseling, then I, I feel like they're part of my flock. So I keep up with people all over the world on a daily basis. And it's a great blessing as we see the same is true with, uh, with Chuck and John, and, and I'm sure certainly with some of you. By way of sharing, I'm going to share some of my testimony, but I want to give you two scriptures to help you understand um, uh, where I'm coming from. The, the first one is 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. That's the Paul is describing the concern he had for his flock and the concern he has, in fact, for the body of Christ. And the way he expressed it was this. He said, I fear for you, lest by any means the serpent would beguile you through his subtlety, so that your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. So as, as a young man, after having uh, been a Christian for 10 years, and my wife and I had been married only about a year, and you asked, but I began to realize that although I knew much, I knew little. And she and I began to seek the Lord uh, in a fresh new way. And we were studying various scriptures in order to discover in a fresh way a reality of Christ that had somehow eluded us. I had seen it clearly in Bible scripture, the Bible characters, they knew God in a way that I didn't know, in a way that I saw very few of any knew. But they had a relationship with Christ that was real and it was effective from their daily experience. And I said, this is what I'm looking for. But as I say, it eluded me. 
And this element of simplicity in Christ is so critical because at that time in our lives, we had uh, moved to a new community and we thought, well, let's find a church. And we went to church with people our age, which at that time we were 22. And it just didn't fit. So then we found a small country church with about 100 people, almost nobody our age, and we felt right at home. And most of the people there were 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years old. But this was our spot. And one of the people was a man that time in his late 50s, and his name was Clifford. So while I was there, I began to observe in his life. And I saw a joy in his life. I, I saw victory in his life. I saw the love of God so fill him. And he was like, they would have us over often. So we would end up spending two or three times a week at their house. Just because I wanted to be around this man. I, I didn't understand what was happening. But the presence of the Lord in him was drawing me. What was drawing me to know the Lord in this way I had been asking, but I didn't even realize what I was asking for. And so, as that was happening, uh, I would say to Clifford, Now, Clifford, tell me, what's the secret? How is it your life seems to be so joyful and you seem to have such victory? And not only that, he had bold authority in ministry. I would go out with him in personal ministry. I remember once he went to his uncle's house, his cousin's house. As he had found out that he had been, uh, he had drifted off and, and was uh, gotten away from the Lord, shall we say. And he went with him and he got him down by, by the side of the tree and he said, You know that you're doing things that are not right. Your mama didn't raise you that way. God's word doesn't teach it that way. And you need to get right with God. And the guy started to give an objection. He said, No, there's only one answer to this on our knees in prayer before the Lord. And so suddenly this guy was on his knees and I'm going like, whoa. And I mean the guy began to weep and brokenness because you see there was a presence of God there. And that brings me to this other part. I kept asking Clifford, what is going on? He would say, well the answer is just Jesus. The simplicity is Christ himself. And I said, Clifford, that sounds too easy. How could that be? I've known that Jesus is the answer all my life. I met Christ and received him as a boy at age 11. And now here I am, 10 years later, and of course I know Jesus is the answer. Why, I can debate the Bible and about Jesus with the best of them. And yet you're telling me, that's it? <laughs> Surely there's got to be more. But you see, my problem was, and this is where I think we often go, and as counselors, where you must avoid and and take a different track. My problem was, I thought it was about what I understood. And I knew much about the Bible. I knew a lot of the Word of God, but I didn't know the living Word. He was not alive in me. He was not real and active in me. He was not my life. He was away to heaven when I died. He was one who gave me instruction from this marvelous book. But there was that a lack of that intimate knowing of Christ is my life and the realization of his presence and power in my life which, which brings me to this other scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 it says the kingdom of God is not in word but in power it's not in word but in power and there's a real danger in the ministry and among counselors to rely upon 
giving them the right information. This was never about a program to give the right information. It, it, it's about bringing people into a full, intimate, living, vibrant relationship with Christ. So that Christ becomes their very life. So that he's the air they breathe. He's, he's the thought when they wake in the morning and when they go to sleep at night. He's the consuming passion of their very being. And so your privilege is to move beyond just giving them the right information, which of course is important, but to go beyond that, as he says here, to power, the power of God. So that you, the counselor, must exercise faith that the Spirit of God will do a work in the people's lives, and that the power of God itself will transform them from the inside out. And they'll be liberated. They'll be liberated. Paul said, I didn't get this by some man, but by revelation of Christ. His Spirit revealed to me these truths. And the first secret I learned when Lou and I were first married, and the one that began to cause things to click, as Clifford told me about this being simply Christ, was that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. John 14, 26. And I went back and I said, Okay, Lord, I see now. And I have taken this marvelous book, the Bible, but I've looked at it as any other book. Now I know it's the book that is God given, I understand that. But I've tried to grasp it with my mind, the same way I would any other book. And so I had memorized scripture. I could tell you Bible stories, I could tell you Bible history, I knew Bible facts. But the word had yet to become flesh in me. When Jesus walked there, the first thing we hear about him is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, where is Christ today? In you. And who is Christ? The Word. And what does he want to do? He wants to become flesh in you that he might dwell among those around you. That he might walk and talk through you. That he might move through you to make his presence, his glorious presence, known through you. So that you truly can be a channel of blessing. His life in you, poured out through you, begins to minister the true blessings of God to others. And they then can come alive. They can be liberated through the power of the cross. And they can be made alive through the power of the Spirit. And then they too can walk in newness of life. We've been raised to walk. But the challenge is to walk. Everybody can talk and good talk. A lot of people can pass information. I was a counselor for five years at First Baptist Church of Atlanta with Dr. Charles Stanley, and those people had heard it all. They had heard Dr. Stanley. They had heard Dr. Solomon. They had heard Dr. Bill Gillum. They had heard a lot of teachers come through. They had read so many books, but they would come to me, and their lives were still defeated. Their lives were, were still discouraged. They personally were still disenchanted <coughs> and empty. And then they would start telling me all the books they had read, and how much they knew. And I would have to stop them. You've read more than I'll ever read, or ever want to read. <laughs> the answer is not in those books, but it's in the Lord, and anything that's said in those books that points you to Him. But if you don't find Him, and what did Jesus say in John 5? He said to the, to the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures because in them you think you have life. And yet you won't come to me because I am the source of life. 
And so they searched the scriptures, and there we are again today. So we have, I think, probably one of the most scholarly group of pastors, counselors, and leaders in the Christian community ever. And yet we are the most deficient in life that we've ever been. There is a, 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 a spiritual void that is growing and increasing. And that's why when John is sharing these truths and emphasizing what he is, it's to help us turn the tide. You can do that light in the darkness. To begin to push back the darkness and begin to open the curtain so that people can see that this is not just a set of rules to live by. It's not just a good philosophy that may be better than others, but it's a book of life and you can come alive in Christ. You can truly be transformed. This is the gift of God. And so as you're hearing these words, receive them by the Spirit and go back and reread and meditate and ask the Holy Spirit to make it real, to first of all reveal it to you and then make it real in and through you. Lord, by your Spirit, reveal it to me and make it real in and through me. And by the grace of God, He will. He will. I thank you for being willing to come and to get in on these great teachings so that you can make a difference in your world where you live. Because people are hurting and hurting people. They need these liberating words of life. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for John and his faithfulness to be true to you and to your word. I thank you for Chuck and all the years that he's invested in so many. Lord, we praise you most of all for our Lord Jesus Christ and for that glorious day when he stretched out his arm on the cross. As far as principalities and powers openly and declared, it is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. And he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And he ascended into heaven that we too might reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this glorious life that we now have in Christ. Lord, by your Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes and hold wondrous things from your word. And by your Spirit, I ask that in Jesus' name, you would make these precious truths uh, reveal them to us, make them real in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, John. Thank you. Well, brother, I'll get that microphone back to you when you're done. And, Donna, do you have uh, maybe a song you could help us with? Cornerstone? Lord Jesus is our. I decided to step out because I am accepted. And so I'm just going to worship. I lead worship at our church. And uh, just briefly, I I couldn't remember when we were first exposed to Exchange Life, but uh, I I checked my husband and I asked him, and he said, Remember, it was when. I discovered that I had panic anxiety. And, you know, like a few of our good, strong men, so hesitant to go and seek medical attention, he sought the internet and self diagnosed his panic anxiety. And when, when he went to seek help, he was introduced to Stephen McVeigh. And so we were able to get, and so that was quite helpful. And so, but anyway. Um, I just want to share this because this is one of my favorite songs uh, and of course this weekend the song took on a whole new meaning for me 
So I'm just gonna share a little bit of if you know just like my hope is still on nothing less than Jesus and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Christ Yeah. 